You are listening to the Catholic Exchange Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Catholic Exchange Podcast. This is Michael Lichens with you once again, coming from our studios in New Hampshire. And today I am speaking with Catholic Exchange author Sean Fitzpatrick. Many of you might know his articles on various saints and feast days. Sean is also the headmaster of Gregory the Great Academy, which is a boys' boarding school that focuses on a very classical education. So, Sean, welcome to the Catholic Exchange Podcast. Thank you very much for having me, Michael. I am honored to be here. Uh, and it's our honor as well. So, Sean, just to let our listeners know a little bit about what you do in Gregory the Great, can you tell us uh, about Gregory the Great Academy and what you do there? I would be happy to. So, Gregory the Great Academy is actually a continuation of a boarding school that was called St. Gregory's Academy, which was founded in 1993. So I myself was a student at that school when I was in high school, and I taught at that old school uh, for 10 years. And when that school closed, I joined a team of people to refound it and to continue in its traditions and carry on the education that we provide. Um, and to talk a little bit about that education or our raison d'etre, if you will, uh, I would have to go way back, actually, to 1970 uh, to a program called the Integrated Humanities Program, which was a program mm -hmm. at the University of Kansas that ran for about nine years there. And so uh, at that time, there were a number of attempts uh, at that university to reinvigorate the liberal arts, um, but the IHP's tone and vision were really exceptional. It was staffed by three professors, and uh, maybe some of your listeners have heard of them, Drs. John Sr., Dennis Quinn, and mm -hmm. Frank Nellick. J John Sr. is, uh, I think, pretty well known for a book that he wrote called The, uh, the Restoration of Christian Culture, which is a volume I strongly recommend to yes. uh, anyone who might be listening to this. Um, and so this program at uh, University of Kansas was uh, not so much to return students to the basics of a time past, but rather to reawaken them to the ever-present wonders of reality. The motto of that program, which is a motto that we try to carry on at our school, is uh, Nascantur in Admiratione, I think it goes, which means uh, let them be born in wonder. And so our, or our students and our school is considered one of, the, one of the continuations of that IHP program where students not only read the great books, such as Homer, Dante, Shakespeare, but mm -hmm. also the good books, Robert Louis Stevenson, Charles Dickens, even a little Mother Goose. You know, we all we all need a little remedial Mother Goose these days, believe me. <laughs> and, and these students uh, back at, at UK or KU, rather, um, they not only spent time in the library, but they spent time uh, gazing at the stars, uh, learning ballroom dancing, committing poetry to heart. And this wholeness of approach reveals the uniqueness of that program and the program that we have that's based on it, uh, following this idea that wisdom is born in wonder. Mm -hmm. um, and so that, uh, that program was pretty famous for the amount of Catholic converts that it brought to the church, even though it wasn't strictly speaking, a Catholic program, uh, as the University of Kansas is not a Catholic uh, university, 
But mm-hmm. about 400 students converted to the faith uh, as a result of that program, and many even became wow. priests and bishops and monks, uh, most notably uh, Bishop James Conley of the Lincoln uh, Diocese and uh, Abbot Philip Anderson uh, of uh, Clear Creek Monastery in Oklahoma. Um, and the founding headmaster of St. Gregory's, and my old teacher, was also a student of John Sr.'s and a convert to the faith. His name was Alan Hicks. And he struck out uh, after after university and after some experience in the teaching field to found a boys' boarding school that was based on the ethos of the IHP. And that's where we get St. Gregory's. Um, and Mr. Hicks and the faculty of St. Gregory's pursued an educational formation that is characterized, I suppose you would say, by attention to the whole man. But above all, over and above that, to the poetic, let's see, the poetic praise of, of the creator, of God, which is the perfection uh, of all teaching and learning. So St. Gregory's, and now Gregory the Great, seeks to bring all the subjects of study within the compass of this uh, very particular and, and beautiful vision. And that continues to be our raison d'etre. Full. And I know that... I definitely note a lot of the fullness of wonder into the humanities. I especially I think what makes uh, St. Gregory's very unique is you guys have an emphasis on music from everything I can tell. Yes. That is, uh... <laughs> uh, to a point where I think that you guys just had a little album released of folk music. Can you tell us a little bit? Like, Is that something that was intentional or is that something that came about? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. You know, oh, okay. you what? could say that um, we one of the adjectives we use for our education is a musical education, drawing from uh, you know, Plato's Republic. Um, and we, we look to music to enliven our, our community and to give a beautiful expression to the things that we teach. We teach old folk songs that the students learn by heart and enjoy singing together, uh, mm-hmm. accompanied with instruments that they learn to play on their own. And we also have a sacred music component where the boys learn Gregorian chant and politics polyphonic pieces. And so, you know, the, the, the philosophy behind this uh, is this idea, I think St. Augustine said it somewhere, that God is uh, a conductor, a symphonic conductor who is guiding the beauty of the cosmos uh, as though it were one grand song. And so music and poetry, which is the music of words, are we don't see them as just simply decorations that hang on the edges of the more serious matters of life, but actually a participation in, uh, I think as Dante says, in the love that moves the stars. And so we yes. give, uh, we give a, a large place to music, um, and vocal singing together as a group, as a community mm-hmm. of friends and to poetry and it's, uh, memorization and its recitation in our program, um, because we we are trying to tap into these arts of the muses, which in our day uh, too often, um, you know, unfortunately lead the young away from God, when in fact they should awaken and inform the soul of the student, uh, so he can take his place in that universal chorus of, of divine praise, like I was mentioning before. Um, so it's a, it's a wonderful thing and it's surprising to see how quickly the students latch onto it when they, when they arrive at our school. 
you might think that it, it would be like pulling teeth to get uh, a, a teenager to learn and sing a love song or even an old Scottish war song, but it is something that they just they just are drawn to immediately, and it they they love it. It is it gives them an excellent outlet to their their changing and developing emotions. You know, you can say that these ancient folk songs give students the opportunity to learn how to feel rightly about things like love, war, hate, joy. Um, they're ancient expressions that really hold the wisdom of the ages. And it is also an expression of our unity as a school that it makes, it makes a, a big difference to have, uh, this, this power at our, at our hands that allow the students to stand up at the right times and to express what they are doing and who they are as friends, mm-hmm. as human beings. So, you know, it's one thing to teach them all these songs, but it's another thing to provide the right occasion for them. And we do that with beautiful liturgy, and we do that with celebrations of feast days. We do that by uh, taking them to athletic events and adventures in the wilderness, you know, gathering around fires. And we give them the right times to sing the songs that give voice and soul and life to the things that they do. As someone who is a very huge fan of Irish and folk music, I know the power that that kind of music can get to bring people together. I've made friends who were strangers uh, not nearly half an hour ago before we all found that we could sing one Irish song Mm -hmm. or an old American battle hymn, and it's like, oh, all right, we're friends now, I guess. Exactly, yeah. It's it's a really, it's it's a bonding power. And what we're doing at St. Gregory's requires that type of bonding, that type of friendship, and to have music serve as an expression and as mm-hmm. a solidifying factor of that. Um, it, it's actually an indispensable element. Uh, we're, we are striving to foster an authentic Catholic culture and inspired by a tr- the tradition of uh, Benedictine monasticism and, and righteous Chestertonian, uh, you know, militarism, if you will. Um, and, but all of these have to come together in a type of harmony, uh, in a, in a prayerful harmony, uh, if, if you're to have a true community. And so saying prayers together, working together, studying, playing sports, and singing as a sign of all of that, it brings our students together in a very close friendship with one another, um, which really allows them to thrive in a healthy, well-balanced way of life. And I have to go back to something you said earlier because I it piqued my interest, but did you mention wilderness adventures as part of the education? Yes, I did. Uh, so oh, okay. part, of our, part of our program uh, is something that we call the guilds program, where mm-hmm. various teachers will offer to the students um, uh, the experience and training in a particular manual skill. And so what we, we break up the students from their, their usual class groups and we put them in new groups according to their interests and desires and get them on a rotation. And we uh, guide them in activities like um, carving wood, 
um, making uh, block prints. You know, they carve in a block of wood with a knife or a razor blade, and then they lay ink on the block, and they make prints for families and friends. There's a leather working guild where they get they they prepare leather and they make uh, wallets and booklets and belts and things like that and, and cure the leather and even emboss them. Um, and there's a juggling guild and fine drawing guild, either pen and ink still life or um, the uh, or illuminated mm-hmm. manuscript. And finally, to get to your question, we have the bushcraft guild. <laughs> which is, you know, it's a, it's a popular one. We have a member of our staff who is a trained uh, survivalist or, you know, wilderness expert, and he just goes out with the boys and he shows them how to build a shelter and how to identify trees, how to uh, do simple traps, how to uh, build a fire without any matches, uh, the, wow. the proper use of a knife and the proper way to leave no trace behind you know to set up a proper campsite and then take it down properly and so that bushcraft guild is is popular as i said because we just send them out into the woods and teach them how to behave themselves in the woods and how to get around in the woods and to some extent how to survive in the woods um which are skills that they then enjoy you know, taking with them when we allow them to go on camping trips on the weekends or all school hikes uh, in the Pocono Mountains that surround us. Um, and, and all of this is rooted in that in this philosophy that education is um, an art that needs to focus or be rooted on experience. And you know, and that's getting into this idea of poetic knowledge. You know, right. poetic knowledge being uh, one way of thinking about it is the knowledge of experience. And it's something that that is being lost in our culture, I believe. Um, in we all know that we're getting more and more barriers between mm-hmm. us and the world around us. And so not only do we try to give our boys uh, an intense experience of reality, we do our best to um, deprive them of the those those things that distract them from uh, the the world. And you know, deprive is kind of a negative word. I mean, nobody really thinks of it as a deprivation. It's it's more right. like a it's a positive removal of the things that stand in the way mm-hmm. of a, a happy and meaningful experience. And one of the strongest ways that we do that is a restriction on uh, modern technological devices. So although, you know, these things uh, are not bad in and of themselves, we feel that they are often, as I said, a huge distraction to teenagers uh, that often work to separate young people from the world around them. So in the absence of television, cell phones, iPods, computers of all kinds, our students are able to take the opportunity to form, again, close bonds of friendship, and through things like this guild program that I've been describing, to develop new skills. You know, if they want to listen to music, they have to pick up a guitar and learn to play songs for themselves. And they usually really enjoy that challenge and the experience of their ability to do such a thing. So so even something as complicated as juggling, which is a huge uh, pastime of our students, it's a strong school tradition, uh, it becomes a much simpler task 
surprisingly, in the absence of uh, television sets and and other distractions. You know, I, when when people visit the school and they'll walk through a juggling guild practice mm-hmm. and and they see these boys performing these almost miraculous feats of beauty. You know, this flying color and standing <laughs> on each other's shoulders, and they say, "How how do you do this?" And I never really know what to say except, well, I really think that this is what happens when you take kids uh, off of their cell phones. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, so that's that's the result. I always wonder. <laughs> yeah, I, I, there, there's something to that. I don't know. Um, I actually that reminded me. I was watching an interview with a well-known athlete. It, he was a offensive lineman back in Denver who did so much work charity wise and everything. And somebody asked him, well, how do you have all this time? Where do you find the time to get all this done? And he just shrugged and said, I don't play video games. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. And and, you know, the juggling it's obviously it's, it, that is a unique uh, element of our character. Um, And it serves to uh, express again, like the music that joie de vivre and gives the students a real, chance to share something with with other people we can put on this performance with with music that we are singing and we can give you this little gift uh you know that that let gives you a peek into the happiness that we have as students and as a school uh and in fact the juggling uh becomes something of a matter of survival for our boys when they graduate because Upon graduation, the culminating activity for our seniors is they go on pilgrimage in, in Europe with uh, with some of our uh, with some of our teachers that go as chaperones and leaders. Um, for many years, they've done the Compostela de Santiago in Spain. Um, for the past couple years, they've actually done the Way of Saint Francis, walking from Florence to Rome. Um, and when they would go to Spain, it would they would walk. Uh, the route or bike, but uh, walking is becoming more popular. But the thing about this pilgrimage that makes it special is that they bring absolutely no money with them. They, when they oh. get there, everybody cuts up their credit card and all they have are their walking shoes, their musical instruments and their, their jugglery, their juggling tools, their weapons of mirth. And they, they, go on a three to four week walk and at every town they put on a little show in front of the cathedral or the town square in order to survive and people uh, gather around they give them money and they spend the money on a meal any money that is left over they donate either to other pilgrims or to the local church they sleep where they can in hostels or, or in any anyone that will take them in and then they start every day again with nothing, you know, really throwing themselves on the mercy of God. And let me tell you, that is a life changing experience right there. No doubt. Something oh, that wow. our students just remember for the rest of their lives and something that really puts the, the final seal on their friendship and on their educational experience at our school. Very amazing. And I have to ask, because I'm sure there's a lot of people listening, the moment you say teenagers don't have to access to technology at our school, and they wonder, how is that done? Do you find that there's some resistance uh, when students first aren't using email or their cell phones, or do you find that they adapt really quickly? I would say that they adapt 
very quickly. And mm -hmm. what we experience is not so much resistance. I mean, I would say we don't experience resistance at all. It's more like we experience relief <laughs> uh, that they, the students, they surrender these devices and they do it willingly. You know, that's a big part of our application process to say, look, are you, are you ready and willing and able to take on this challenge, this adventure and, you know, check in your cell phone and your iPad at the door and, and, and learn to live in your own body in the world that God made. And, and the students have to say, yeah, I'm ready to do that. And so they come in willing to try this, this radical <laughs> experience. And I think that they are always struck with a kind of joyful surprise at what becomes possible when you don't have these, these distractions, when you are immersed in an education and mm -hmm. in a community, which is part of the, part of the advantage really of having a boarding school where you can have a real uh, cultivation. You can have a cultural atmosphere that remains within your control. Um, so that, I, I guess that's that's the bottom line, that, that we provide enough good things to make up for the loss of some of these, these you know, basically it comes down to entertainment devices, yeah. teenagers. Um, and uh, that that they they un, they recognize that they they are able to recognize the good of it and they don't deny it and they they take it head on. Very nice. Wow, I can only imagine that some people would call that a miracle, but yeah, good work. <laughs> it's amazing what you what happens when you put boys together to live together. Um, there's uh, it's it's about establishing positive peer pressure. Um, mm -hmm. well, you know, again pressure. It's a kind of a negative word. It's more like peer reinforcement when everyone is involved in the same activities um, and on the same challenges. You know, St. Gregory's is a lot like a ship. You know, everyone has their, their place, their position, and their job, and some place that we're going to all together and everybody needs to, to haul on their own rope and, and, you know, do what is expected of them. Um, and of course, you know, there's a long-standing tradition, uh, especially in uh, the Catholic Church, of single-sex education. You know, the, the, I, you could say that the wisdom that comes to us from the, these traditions uh, teaches us that boys and girls tend to fare better when they are educated separately, uh, especially after they reach adolescence. Uh, and, and this is both mm -hmm. because uh, boys and girls are uh, different and uh they deserve different approaches or pacing, perhaps even a different uh, course of study. Because when educated together, they tend to distract one another. Uh, and this is especially true for boys. So such distractions, whether from young ladies or entertainment technology or popular or even pernicious uh, media, uh, that retards the process or the the, the art mm -hmm. of education, which strives to build up good habits through continual and uh, concentrated engagement. And boarding schools can provide that very continuity because they render education a continuous, focused, and hopefully habit-forming reality so that when they go back out into the world, they know the right way to woo and win a woman and how to 
keep our, our devices in the right place, you know, as tools. So there, that's what I have to say about that, I guess. It's <laughs> <laughs> well, great. I have to ask, so I know it sounds like St. Gregory's, you know, in this new form has only been around for a few years, but what has been the, where do students usually do after they graduate? Like, where do they usually typically go after, you know, four years of music, guilds, no cell phones, and learning, reading the great books? Yes. Well, um, 90% of our graduates, actually a little bit more, uh, they, they go off to the colleges of their choice. And mm-hmm. most of them tend to continue their, their journey through the liberal arts and they go to, okay. uh, the, the, the main small Catholic liberal arts colleges in the country. They go to Christendom College. They go to Thomas Aquinas College. They go to Ave Maria. Uh, right now, Wyoming Catholic College is very uh, popular with our graduates. Um, but they, mm-hmm. they go to main, you know, more mainstream schools as well. Um, they learn trades. Um, some, we've had a couple graduates go to, uh, Notre Dame and, uh, and we've got graduates, uh, all over the map as well as far as profession. We've got, um, lawyers, we have doctors, a lot of teachers. Um, mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and besides those professional, uh, occupations, our graduates are, they, they leave St. Gregory's and they go to college and then they leave college and something that's, that stands out from them, that makes them, I think, unique in a way is that they're always very strong in their faith. They're, they're good fathers, they're good husbands, they're hard workers who take the, who take their, their faith seriously and joyfully. You know, they are really marked by a sense of joy in life and in the faith and in their, their vocations. Um, and in, in addition to all that, we also have uh, a strong tradition of boys uh, going into the military. We have a lot of Marines, um, and so that's, uh, you know, they're pursuing their, you know, some of those uh, romantic and militaristic ideals um, that you get in that uh, the life of a soldier. On the subject of soldier, I will casually transition. You... Also have at St. Gregory's an emphasis placed on athletics, and I believe you guys have a rugby team, if I recall correctly? We sure do, yes. Rugby, yes. rugby is a very uh, prominent uh, a very prominent uh, aspect or uh, element of our education. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it, it, you're, you're right to segue there on the word soldier, because rugby is, uh, well, it's kind of like warfare without weapons. Exactly. And, <laughs> and it's a rough sport. Um, which is precisely why boys love it <laughs> and why it means so much to them and why they derive so much from it. You know, it really puts into, puts into practice the, uh, perhaps Chestertonian maxim that nothing worth doing is free of peril. Life is an adventure and you, you need to get used to risking things. You know, maybe it's more quixotic than Chestertonian, but, uh, well, they go hand in hand in my opinion. But, uh, Rugby is, um, it's an, it's a, a, a chance for the boys to build up on their camaraderie. It's a game that's based on support and trust and facing fears. And when you're in a classroom with boys reading things like the Iliad, um, and, 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 uh, and other chivalric tales of King Arthur and his knights and Beowulf and the ballad of the white horse, they, they, 
welcome, they identify and welcome the opportunities to put some of those virtues into practice, to, to have a taste of bravery and of valor and victory. And rugby is really the perfect opportunity. And mm-hmm. our coach is a very experienced, uh, a very experienced individual. In fact, you know, it's, it's pretty remarkable. In 2012, he led our little school to this, to the state championship in, in Pennsylvania and, and won. So our little boarding school, uh, was competing against, you know, these schools with huge student populations and, who are yeah. recruiting for their rugby team, uh, you know, with uh, among hundreds of athletic individuals. And for us, everybody is on the rugby team. Here we are, <laughs> a school of 50 guys. And, well, everyone plays rugby because that's what we do. And it's the heart that they develop or the, the union of prayer and, and excellent um, exposure or exposure to excellent things that allowed them to and continues to allow them to achieve great things on the on the rugby pitch and they follow a, a type of discipline that's that's it's it's kind of beautiful and and awe inspiring to behold uh, you know they they uh, they pray before and after the matches in song they march on the field in a straight line when they score a try they're not fist pumping or chest bumping or anything like that. They score a try, they put that ball down, and without a word or a cheer or a yell of any kind, they run back to their side ready to go again. You know, out of a type of sportsman's courtesy to the other team, we scored a try, and now it's your turn to try again. <laughs> um, nice. So rugby is a is a beautiful thing. The boys the boys really adore it, and of course it provides uh, the exercise uh, that they need to maintain, uh, you know, a, a good health. It provides a physical outlet, you know, after a whole day reading and studying and conversing. It, they, they need to get out and they need to run around and, and jostle mm-hmm. each other and, and tire themselves out to do it all again the next day. So rugby is a beautiful thing and something that the boys really take away with them as a living out of or a demonstration, a participation in the the more mysterious things that they learn uh, throughout their time at St. Gregory's. Um, you know, uh, I think this sort of fits in. You know, one of my favorite uh, Chesterton quotes, and of, of course I'm paraphrasing, and of course it's Chesterton, so I have no idea where he wrote this um, because you know, it's like a mountain; nobody knows where anything is. But he said. <laughs> The whole point of education is to provide eternal and abstract principles to judge material and fugitive conditions. And that's that's what we do. That's what we strive to do uh, by God's grace. And that's something that rugby allows the boys to, to have a taste of, that they are bringing these eternal and abstract principles into a very material and very fugitive situation, um, and hopefully learn mm-hmm. something about virtue and who they are in the process. And as our final question, as we wrap up this, uh, where can people learn more about St. Gregory's or the educational approach that you guys do? We have a lot of information on our website, obviously, and uh, mm-hmm. I would encourage anyone to go there. And uh, we've got pictures and a newsletter archive and a description of our uh, academic program and our philosophy of education. 
uh, www.gregorythegreatacademy.org, all spelled out like that. And, uh, and I also uh, invite parents who perhaps uh, whose ears pricked up at some of the things that uh, we've been talking about and who have sons that would uh, be interested in the adventure of education as we provide it. Uh, I would strongly encourage such parents um, to go to our admissions page and to uh, to read what information is there and uh, contact us to learn more about our program and the admissions process because right now we're filling beds for the uh, the upcoming academic year and it looks like it's going to be a good one. We'll have about 50, Excellent. 55 students and we're we're ready for more. <laughs> Excellent. Always good to hear. Well, good. I hope your students have a fine, fine start to their academic year in just a couple weeks. And, John, I can't thank you enough for joining us here at the Gather Exchange Podcast. Uh, We'll put all the websites for Gregory the Kid Academy right up on our show notes. I encourage parents to go over there, give a look, see if it might work for you, or at least learn a bit about, hey, we can have children going to the woods playing rugby and not looking at their cell phones. This can happen. And thank you very much, Michael, for this opportunity. I've had a great time. And, Excellent. Uh, and I look forward to uh, to future podcasts that you'll put out on Catholic Skin. Oh, thank you very much. And to all of you who are listening, do stay tuned and subscribe on either iTunes or Stitcher. It's been a pleasure once more to have Sean Fitzpatrick here. You can find Sean's articles at CatholicExchange.com. He has written many, many fine articles for us. He's written also for several other magazines across the web. And God love you all for joining us. Go to St. Gregory, the Great Academy's website, and learn more. God love you. Have a wonderful week.